Good morning. My name is Colin. I am one of the pastors here at North Church. I uh, spend most of my time here uh, doing kind of adult ministry things, and um, I help out with our Rooted program and do uh, some of our life groups and things like that. And I am super excited to get to spend uh, this morning with you. Today's message is going to stand on its own a little bit. Can you believe that we are past Thanksgiving and almost to Christmas? I cannot believe it. How did that even happen? Uh, So we're going to start our Advent series next week. Bring someone with you to that. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, But today what we're going to do is we're going to hang out in a piece of scripture, mainly in Mark chapter 4. So if you have a a Bible, grab grab that out. Get to Mark chapter 4. If you got a phone, scroll your way to Mark chapter 4. And uh, we're going to get there. It's going to be kind of towards the back quarter of your Bible. We're going to do four different things this morning. First, we're going to read through the scripture just in one time, and we're going to pray. We're going to look at, um, then second, some, some contextual things that are going to help us understand a little bit more about what's going on in the chapter. Third, we're going to reread through the scripture, and as we reread through that, we're going to add some commentary to that, and I'm going to talk us um, through th- some other things that may be happening. And then the fourth thing that we're going to do is we're going to examine, so, so what about this? So we read this, what does this mean to me today? How does this impact my life? What sort of application does that have? Okay, so we're going to start our first thing. We're going to read the scripture. It'll be up behind me. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. 35 says, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took them with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the storm, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He then said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear, and they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. God, we are thankful for you. We are thankful for your word in our lives. Lord, I ask that that today as we explore this passage of scripture, that you speak to our hearts that you transform our hearts and our minds. And God, we are thankful that in in the middle of that storm, you were right there in the boat with the disciples. We're grateful for that. Amen. All right, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a few important details. Okay, Some things that as we put into context are going to help us understand a little bit more about what is going on here in the story. And the three things we're going to look at are the sea, we're going to look at the storm, And we're going to look at the boat. Okay, those are three things. Sea, storm, boat. Let's start with the sea. The Sea of Galilee is set in the northern hills um, of Israel, in northern Israel. It has a surface area that's a little bit larger than Lake Coeur d'Alene. So we're not talking about uh, an ocean or anything like that. Lake Coeur d'Alene is actually even deeper than the Sea of Galilee. Normally, the Sea of Galilee, extremely pristine, kind of like glass, you would say. 
when I think of that, I think about my family loves to water ski. I don't love to water ski um, because people that are built like this don't typically like to water ski because we sink. Um, so, amen. There we go. Hey. So, um, so my family loves to water ski. We have some amazing videos of me trying to water ski that we chose not to play. Um, but we have some... Anyways, um, you don't want to see them. So we um, just imagine this lake, right? Normally, or the sea, normally it's pristine and it's calm. But what can happen is that at any point, the sea will go from that calmness to just these violent storms very quickly. So let's talk about the storms. What happens is that over the eastern mountains... Um, down through these ravines that are gouged in the mountains, a cold air will come. And this cold air comes down over the top of the mountains, and it hits the warm air that's floating, um, that, that's hanging out on the top of the sea. And not to bore you with too much weather details, but when cold air and warm air get together, that's not typically um, a recipe for success and for calm weather. And so those hit each other, and these violent storms will happen, and they will seemingly come out of nowhere. And those storms are, are what we're probably seeing here in this passage today. The, the, the air gets together, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the storm just starts raging around the disciples and around Jesus. Let's talk about the boat now. The boat, um, from artifacts that have been recovered from the lake, um, the boat was probably about 25 feet long, about 8 feet wide and 4 feet deep, uh, made of wood. I'm mean, noticing a small sailboat, one sail. No sort of modern technology there, no fiberglass hull, no foam insulation. The boat was made for fishing. The boat was not made for any sort of long journey. Another visual, if you were to take four geometros and you were to put them together, that would have been about the size of the boat. My family had a geometro growing up and it was tiny. So imagine four of those put together and one of the guys in the boat was sleeping. There wasn't exactly a whole lot of room left. Okay, so the boat, rather small. So we know about the sea, and now the storm, the boat. Let's look back at our passage. We've already done two of the four things I said we were going to do, and we're like eight minutes in, so we're doing great, okay? Um, let's reread the scripture. As we read, it's going to stay up on the screen behind me. I'm going to walk our way um, through a few more things, give us some more detail as we go. Okay, let's start again in verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. Look at what Jesus did there. Jesus says very clearly, let us go across to the other side. Jesus says, we're going to the other side of the sea. They were on a mission that day. Their mission was to make it across the sea. And Jesus was certainly not planning on dying in the middle of the lake. And he made that pretty clear. Verse 37 continues. It says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. And here comes the storm. The boat's filling up. Jesus is asleep. I'd imagine that at this point, the disciples are bailing water as fast as they can out of the boat. The disciples had experienced some miracles already, but this one was probably seeming like too much. Their fear was creeping in. 
Their lack of faith was also creeping in. And their lack of faith in Jesus' plan to make it across the sea was starting to show. They probably thought they were going to die in the middle of the lake. Verse 38 says this. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, Jesus. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And here in the middle of this storm, here's Jesus. He's sleeping. We ask the question, why is he sleeping? He was sleeping because he was tired. He had just taught all day. Uh, he, he's in the, in the midst of just days after days of teaching. And, and he was tired. That day he had been teaching to the crowds. There had been so many people around the, around the sea that they'd actually pulled the boats out. And he was teaching from the boat out onto um, all the people on the dry land. And he was probably tired, both emotionally and, and physically, and he just, his human body needed to sleep. And the disciples, after coming to an end of their options, they'd done everything that they could possibly do. They tried all of their bright ideas to get out of this situation. Remember, some of them were fishermen, and they were very familiar with this water. But they, they came to the idea that they were either going to die, or they needed Jesus to do a miracle. And I think that that's like what many of us do. Um, we come to this place where the situation gets so bad. And we've done everything that we can do that we finally turn to God. So they appeal to Jesus and they say, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And they say that and, and that just is filled with guilt. They basically say, God, Jesus, you don't even care about us. You don't care, and here we are, we're going to die. Let's see what Jesus does next. In verse 39, he says, And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Raise your hand if you hosted Thanksgiving this week with your family. Okay, anybody? I did not. Praise Jesus, host um, Thanksgiving with anybody. Um, but you know that moment, think back to that moment, I'm sure some of you had it, um, where Uncle Richard and Aunt Sally and the five kids, they're at your house and they're just tearing your house apart. And they probably should have left about two hours ago, but yet they're still at your house. And finally, they leave. And you shut the door. I know at my house when this happens, we... I tend to close the door, and I look around, like, are they all gone? <laughs> and then I take this deep breath in, and I, and I look at my wife, and we both kind of smile, and it's calm. And you just bask in the silence, and it's great, amen. So <laughs> that had to be somewhat similar to what happened here, right? The storm is stopped, the storm all of a sudden, the water is like glass again. Because Jesus said, peace, be still. He muzzled, literally muzzled the storm. And the wind and the waves that had been created by that same voice thousands of years before recognized that voice. And they stopped. And in stormy seasons of life, Jesus does the same thing in our lives. Verse 40 and 41. We're going to touch on about half of this. We're going to come back to 41 towards the end. 
He said to them, Jesus, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And Jesus identifies the problems that were living deep inside of the disciples' hearts. That the one problem was fear and the other problem was lack of faith. And Jesus changes their fear and their lack of faith. He speaks to their lack of faith by the simple miracle that he accomplished. There was, the, there was the, the wind and the storm. They thought they were gonna die. He tells the wind to stop and it stops. And then what he did is he redirected their fear. Their fear has moved from fear of their circumstances to fear of the Lord, right? Proverbs 9, 10. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So he takes their fear from a circumstance and focuses it on him. And the disciples grow in their fear of the Lord. And the disciples are taking, Jesus is taking the disciples on a journey. Not into the storm to stay there forever, but he's taking them to the other side of the sea. And there just happened to be a storm in the middle of the journey to the other side. So we read through everything one more time. What we're going to do now is we're going to talk about some application. We're going to say, okay, so Jesus took the disciples through the storm. Um, he, he wanted to get the other side. What does that mean to me? What does that mean in my everyday life? And so the first point we want to talk about is that storms are normal. Don't freak out. The disciples didn't get into this situation because they did something wrong. The disciples were not being punished at all. And sometimes as we follow Jesus, what he's going to do is he's going to lead us into places where the storms are raging. And sometimes our default here is to say, God would never do that to me. God would never put me into this storm. And one of my jobs today is I get to tell you, yes, he would. Yes, God would put you into the middle of this storm. And a couple times in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul speaks to situations like this in different times in the lives of, the, of, a, of a Christ follower. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 18 to start. It says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I look at that and think, what an amazing statement, especially knowing that the person saying this is the Apostle Paul. And, and Paul, while his ship was not being wrecked or his ship was not sinking, um, while he was not being stoned or while he was not being robbed, he was probably being whipped within an inch of his life. And amazingly, he still says that all of those sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That no matter what we have come through, no matter what we are going through, that that sum total is not worth comparing to the glory of the Lord. Paul's saying that storms are normal. Don't freak out. He continues on later in the chapter in verse 28. He says this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And if God works all things together for good, what that means is there must be bad. Right? That's kind of inherently said there. 
There must be some bad if he's working all things together for good. That some hardships and some trials and some things are going to arise. And what Romans 8.28 does not say is this. It does not say that we know that for those who love God, everything is going to be good all the time. Especially if you work really hard. No, he says there's going to be storms. Okay, the text here has become so familiar that many times we just um, refer back to the verse and say, someone says something like, I'm having a really hard time. And the response is, well, keep your head up. Remember Romans 8.28. And that's not exactly what the point of this is. Um, this, this should probably not be used so shallowly. One thing I think um, that this text is meant for the believer, right? Remember, Paul is talking to those who are called according to his purpose. And this has become so popular that even people that don't have any faith in Jesus will still live in, in some sort of um, agreement with this. And they'll say something like, um, you know, everything's going to work out for good. Everything's going to be fine in the end. And the last thing to point out here is that Paul's not actually referring um, to or saying that everything in this lifetime is even going to be okay. He's not even saying that, that everything in your life is going to end up okay, um, but he's saying that everything is going to work out for the good in the eternal perspective of our lives. And as we read through the Bible and we see this narrative, it is just rich with examples of God and in God's people encountering storms throughout their life. Storms are normal in the life of the believer. Don't freak out. What we next need, need to think is, is storms have purpose. Okay, so our second point, storms have purpose. Figure it out. We're going to start in 2 Corinthians verse 1 to 8 for our point that storms have purpose. It says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction... Another storm, right? Affliction, bad things. We experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Okay, it probably doesn't get much worse than what he's talking about. Important section, that's why it's underlined. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on the God who raises the dead. He then says, he delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Paul experiences the same things that the disciples experienced that day in the boat. The disciples' default action was to try to fix their own problem and to fix their own afflictions. But Paul says that, the, that afflictions will happen to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. This next slide, um, it, we have what we say on the bottom and what the Bible says on the top. Okay, well, we just read that. The Bible says, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And I know my... Um, my maybe natural tendency is on the bottom. I'm going to rely on myself, right? Not the God who raises the dead. And I'm sure that, um, that many in this room can relate to that, that we will do everything that we can to, to work our way through the storms in our own strength. And God is going to allow hard things to happen for our lives in order for us to grow in our relationship with him. What I'd like you to do now is I'd like you to think of a storm 
in your life. Okay, can everybody think of a storm? Think of a bad time, okay? A hard time, whatever that is. Some of you are going to think of, it's going to be something that's happening right now. Okay, I know mine, mine is. Remember that storm, okay? I can remember making the decision in my life to be a pastor, to make the decision of, I'm going to pursue ministry as a career. And there came a time, um, I was in the middle of college when this happened, and there, there came a time when I needed to tell my family that I was going to make this decision. And I have a, a part of my family that this was not going to go over that well, to say the least. Um, as repeatedly over the years, I have attempted to tell my story and share my faith with my family, um, we have just, my wife and I, just been raked over the coals. Um, been told we're stupid. We've been told that we hope you never have kids because we have kids. That's going to be child abuse to raise your kids in a Christian household. We've been told, like, you are an absolute, like, Colin, you are an absolute waste of potential. You had so much potential and so much potential to make money in a career in, like, the medical field, and you're just throwing it all away for this. Talk about a storm, right? I mean, seemingly all-encompassing at times. It's been years of storm, right? I mean, we're talking seven, eight, nine years of just pretty consistent storm there. And today, we're actually still in the middle of that storm. We didn't get invited to Thanksgiving. I mean, that's rough. But that storm had a purpose. And what we've done is we've been able to identify that purpose um, that hardship has spurred so much growth in our lives. It's caused us to identify what do we believe and why do we believe it. It's made us more comfortable to share our faith story with, with other people. Because if you can share your faith story with those people that you love so dearly in that family and they just tell you you're dumb, you can share your faith story with just about anyone. It's made us not rely on ourselves, but instead turn our focus to the Lord. Now, when I said our storms, storms have purpose, figure it out. What I'm not saying is just work really hard until you figure it out. Okay, there's a couple things that are really important as we deal with these storms in our lives. The first one is prayer. We have to have a relationship with the Lord. Like Pastor Mike mentioned when we were in that prayer time earlier, that idea of of communing with the Lord and, and praying and reaching out to the Lord as we are in these hard times. God wants to meet us there and God wants to, to help us understand the purpose of the storms that we're in. And the second thing is, is community. Community helps us recognize purpose in the storms. Community will make it so there are people that are wise, that are in our lives, that will speak into our hearts and into our minds into these situations. And I don't know where we would be um, without our community, without our life group, and without our friends that have continually um, built us up and, and helped us in these moments when the storms were so all-encompassing. God has reason for the storms in our lives. These storms are just a result of foolishness, and God is trying to refine our actions. 
Maybe God is bringing us through a storm in order to grow us and make us more like him. Or maybe a storm is persecution and it's to increase ourselves in righteousness. But God has purpose in the storms. Let's recap before we um, get to point number three. Point number one was that storms are normal. Don't freak out. Point number two was that storms have purpose. Figure it out. And point number three, the most important of all, is that Jesus is in the boat. That Jesus is in the boat. Isaiah 43 verse 2 says this. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. Because when you go through the rivers and you go through the fire, Jesus is in the boat with us. And the boat cannot be consumed by those things. Remember that in Mark chapter 4, Jesus said, let us go across to the other side. Jesus was in the boat that night with the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. Think back on the situation I asked you to think about a few minutes ago. Think about the storm. You think about the storm in your life that is brutally hard that you are living through or that you have gone through. I'd like you to think about that as I read this next. There's going to be um, a quote up on, this, on the screen by Charles Spurgeon. And he spoke on this exact scripture. I want you to think about your storm as we read through this. Spurgeon said this. He said, it is well to sail with Jesus. Even though we may be in a little boat. If we go with Jesus, we must be content to face what he faces. And when the waves are rough to him, they will be rough to us. Winds and waves will not spare us, but they all obey him. And therefore, whatever squalls or storms may occur on the outside, faith shall feel a blessed calm within. No matter the storms, it is well, he says, to sail with Jesus because of the calm that comes from that. Before we wrap up, we need to hop back into Mark chapter 4. We need to finish looking at that. We need to fully touch and talk about verse 41. Verse 41 said this. It said, And they were filled with great fear, and they said to one another, Who then is this? Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who then is this? And when Mark tells us of this day, this is the point of the whole story. It's clear from this last verse that Mark, Mark's point in telling the entire story is that this Jesus that he is talking about and describing is actually the Lord over creation. That Jesus is God himself, come to live as a man. And over the next few chapters, and over the next years in, in the lives of the disciples, they come to the point where they realize that too. They realize that Jesus is Lord over creation, and that Jesus is the Savior. And they ask that question, who is this? Who is this man that is doing these things? And that's a question that every single person that is pursuing Jesus, 
that is, exploring the words of Scripture, must seriously answer the question of who is this? We're going to pray here in just a second. I want us to think, who is this Jesus? Who is this person to us in our lives? Let's pray. God, first, we pray for those that are here that, that are in the process of figuring out who you are. That are asking, what can all of this mean? What what does Jesus want for my life? Maybe it's a question that they've been asking for a while. The question of who is this Jesus? And maybe today is the day that you've come to the conclusion that as we examine this, this passage, God is real, that, that he is the creator, that he is the savior, and that he wants to welcome you in to his arms. Maybe today is the day that you've come to the conclusion of who Jesus is. God, for those people, thank you. God, thank you that you have saved us, that you welcome us into your family. And Lord, I pray for those of us who are in the middle of the storm. Lord, we are grateful for you. God, what I ask you to do is I, help, I ask that you help our fear to decrease and you help our faith to increase. Our faith in you, that you meet us in the middle of the storm, God. Lord, I thank you that you were in the boat, Jesus, that you were in the boat with us, sailing with us on this journey through that storm. And Lord, lastly, we pray that you speak the words of calming to the storms around us. That you calm the storms, whatever that may be, whether that be in our family or at work or with friends. Lord, but whatever storm we're in, I ask that you muzzle that storm like you did that day on the Sea of Galilee. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are in the boat with us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Colin. Encouraging words for this week. Let's stand up together. I am excited about next week. I'm going to kick off a new series in, uh, uh, in our Advent season, kind of that expectation of Christmas coming. And so bring a friend with you. Hey, if you're here new or newer to the church, I'd love to say hi to you before you take off. Right underneath this monitor, I'll be over there doing First Connect, just a few minutes to give you some ideas on how you can connect. And then if you need prayer, our prayer team will be over here on this other side, ready to stand with you in prayer over anything going on. In